God's grace, mercy, and peace be with you today. Heavenly Father, bless us today as we listen to your word in the epistle of 2 John. May it touch our hearts and renew us in our service to you and our love to you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we asked you last week to read 2 John and meditate on it and study it. And I asked you to find the two key words that were in there. And as you read it, what did you find? Truth and love. Truth and love. Right. Those are two key words that are in the epistle to John. Now, John is it the, called the beloved disciples of the beloved disciple of Jesus. John wrote five different books or five writings of the New Testament. He's the second big writer to Paul. Paul wrote more epistles, but John writes five different readings that we get, and he centers truth and love in almost all of them pretty emphatically. Now we know he wrote the Gospel of John, which is very interesting how he wrote that. And then he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, so that's four. What's the fifth one he wrote? Revelation. Revelation, right. Revelation was written by John. So those are the five different writings or books or letters or epistles in the Bible, especially in the New Testament rather, that John wrote. And this second epistle is very short. It's the shortest one in the Bible. But it's an emphatic message that maybe we miss. So I want to take you through it today and um, look at it in seriousness, all seriousness. It speaks to us today as we, Saturday was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. We've been through the crisis after crisis. We've been through this week of watching what's happening in Afghanistan. Um, the World Trade Center, we remember 20 years ago, and Pentagon and the plane crashing in Pennsylvania. And we wonder. Then we got all the stuff that's going on. And the two words that you found were truth and love. Raises the question, what is the truth? We're being lied to. So that's what we're being told. I hear that word lied to very often. Interesting. One news broadcast claims the other one lies back and forth. We say the politicians are lying. Even people in the church are accused of lying. What is truth? Are being lied to about Afghanistan? About masks? About climate? About COVID? On goes the list. And then we begin to wonder, what is truth? Matter of fact, is Pilate asked that question to Jesus and John recorded in his gospel. Jesus said these words to Pilate, I came, with the, I came into the world to testify to the truth. And Pilate snarled and said, what is truth? Yeah, what is truth? John records those words in his gospel. According to the dictionary, truth is that which is, that which is in accordance with fact or reality. 
And so we got these fact checkers that go out and say, this is not this, this is not. And others come back and say, no, no, that's wrong. What is truth? What is the fact? What are the facts? What is the reality? You see, the enemy of truth, the devil himself, the enemy of truth and love is attacking our faith periodically, daily, regularly. He's attacking your faith, trying to deceive you into what is the truth. What is love? On our front cover of the bulletin, you see the cross. The cross is the truth in love. And notice what our, our mission statement is. St. Paul Lutheran Church in preschool, what, declaring and teaching Jesus is Lord. Is he your Lord? Do you take it seriously? Is Jesus Christ your Lord? I hope so and pray so. But listen to John 8:32. Jesus says, "If you abide in in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free." The truth sets you free when you are in the word. And Jesus is the ultimate word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. How often do you read your scriptures? How often do you meditate on the word of God? How important is God's word in your life on Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday? How important is it? If you got your newsletter, you notice that we're concerned about Christian education. There's a meeting coming up in a couple of weeks to get our education program back on track. It's not just coming to church on Sunday morning and worshiping, it's being in the word. It's Bible class, Sunday school, and growing in the word and growing in the word in our homes and used to it. Well, John's letter comes to this point and has some very important things to say, so please turn to it in your order of service. Because I want to go through this a little bit, almost most of the verses. And I do this out of love, okay? You may react to this somewhat. But I want to point out what John is actually saying and what, how it applies to my life and to your life. I need to hear this word as much as you do. And as I studied it this week and meditated on it the last couple of weeks, I realize I've got to be careful about the deceivers. Notice who he writes to. He says, to the lady chosen by God and to her children. The question is, who's the lady and who's the children? Well, no one knows. We don't know. Some Bible scholars say the lady was actually a woman and her children and possibly in the church in Ephesus. Others, the majority say, it refers to a church. Maybe the church in Ephesus or one of the cities. And the children are the members of the church or those who come to worship. I tend to believe that's probably more what it is. It's to the lady, to the church and to the people who are in the church. We'll take it, that interpretation, but it never, it never is defined who the lady is. But anyway, he writes to the lady. Now in verse three, there are three key words that you and I often just kind of rattle off and don't think too much about. But they were very powerful words in the New Testament times. Grace, mercy, and peace. Wow. It says, from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in, notice, 
What? In truth and love. Right. In truth and love. Now those words are key words. Matter of fact, as grace is almost a new word entirely in the New Testament, because in the Old Testament the people lived under the law. In the New Testament we live under grace. And grace is emphatically proclaimed by Paul, by John, by all the scripture writers. And John uses grace and love throughout his writings. God's grace, his love is revealed in the cross in Jesus Christ. His mercy, mercy is a beautiful word, it means everything, it means forgiveness, it means health, it means salvation, it means God cares about you in every facet of your life, and peace. You can have peace within you, maybe not in the world, maybe not in politics, maybe not in the country, maybe not in your city or neighborhood, but you can have peace in your heart because of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. Ultimate peace. And you can have peace with the Father in heaven because Jesus has paid the price for your sin because of his grace. Three exciting words that John lists here to the church as he writes to them. Grace, mercy, peace. It says, they'll be with us in truth and love. Those are key words. And you notice most of the scripture readings in the New Testament start with something like that. Paul starts out with them, or others, grace, peace. John uses all three here. Grace, mercy, and peace. Three wonderful words that should get us excited. And now he says, in the next paragraph, down a verse, the next verse he says, it has given me great joy to find some of your children, some of your members walking in the truth. Not all, not all. Maybe that means not all the people at St. Paul are walking in the truth. I don't know. He refers to the church and says some of them are. I thought everybody is, evidently. Just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, we might say dear congregation, we might say dear St. Paul, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but one that we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. That commandment goes in the Old Testament too. But then he goes on and defines it. Watch that, watch that carefully. Verse 6, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands, his word in other words, as you have heard from the beginning, his command, notice what his command is, that you walk in love. Show love to one another. Show love to your brothers and sisters in Christ. We talked last week about being brothers and sisters in Christ, that Philemon heard the message from Paul to accept his slave back as a brother in Christ. And he says that we, he commands us to walk in love. That's how we are to walk. Truth is in love. The real truth is in God, in Jesus Christ, as we walk in love with one another. Now comes the next paragraph, a warning that I had you read with me. Please take this seriously and don't get upset with what I might say, because this paragraph applies to all of us, myself included. Because I think it's a, a warning that you and I need to hear. So let's look at it. I say this because many deceivers, he says, 
who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming into the flesh. In other words, they don't believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. And there are a lot of deceivers like that, even in the world today, false religions. They've gone on to the world, and such a person is the deceiver and the antichrist, I mean, against Christ. Anybody that does not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who went to the cross and died for the sins of the world, is a deceiver, is an antichrist. Then he goes on and says in verse 8, watch out, watch out, that you do not lose what we have worked for. You've got to watch, be careful. Then he goes on and says in verse 9, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. If the teaching of Christ is not there, you don't have God. And he says, whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If you continue in the truth, you have the Father and the Son. Then he goes on and says in verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Who's in your house? Who do you welcome to your house? He says, anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. All right, now you say, well, I don't let the Mormon missionaries in my house. I don't let the JWs come in my house. When they come to the door, I either don't answer it or I brush them off. So I don't let them in my house. Well, that's good, but that's, there's a little bit more behind this. You see, you've got the deceiver in your house. In many ways, in many forms. Today, in our culture, the deceiver comes not just by people walking into your house as they did, because that was the only ways of, ways of talking to people, communication in those days. Who's the deceivers? Where do you hear deceiving voices? Well, let's just be serious for a minute. Who is invading your home? Who are the home invaders that you will let into your home? Your television set can be one of them. Nothing wrong with a television set. You can watch television, but it can become a deceiver because you'll watch all the bad news and are controlled by the bad news rather than the good news. How about your CDs, your music you listen to? What kind of music do you spend your time with? What about your smartphone and your iPhone? I got one in my pocket, so I'm not taking anybody's criticism. It's in my pocket, I use it. It can become a deceiver. Spending your time looking at all, of, all the kinds of uh, social media compared to how much time do you spend in God's Word? How much time do you spend reading Scripture? How much time do you spend in prayer and worship? That's a big question, isn't it? Because the more, less time you spend, and the more time you spend in all these deceivers, you're going to be influenced by them and your share in their wicked work is what John says. Your laptop, your computer, smartphone, all these things can be dangerous. Not that themselves they are, they're not. Nothing wrong with watching them or using them. It's what you let them control in your life. And it's so easy in our culture today to be controlled by deceivers, by the deceiving voices that come to us through these various means. And trouble is, then we hear too much bad news. During this COVID stuff and all these things, I finally come to realize that I've been listening to too much news, bad news. Too much news being reported. 
and all the arguments of what's right and what isn't. Got to quit listening to so much news broadcasts and listen to more Christian, Christian stuff. And one thing you can do when you're listening to the news or watching a program or watching even a movie is pray to God to overcome the evil or to overcome or pray for the people that are on the news. When you see a shooting down in Portland again and say, oh no, another shooting, instead of getting depressed, say, Lord, change the hearts of the people. Stop the shooting to change hearts. It's when people come to the truth that they'll stop shooting each other and stop rioting and stop carrying on. When you hear about the COVID cases and you hear the news and how many more people have got COVID and how many more people are dying, say, Lord, deliver us. Pray then, deliver us right there as you're watching the TV or watching the news. Lord, deliver us from this virus. Have mercy on us. We can start praying through the news. We can start bringing good news in the midst of the bad news. The real truth, the real truth is you see Jesus Christ has paid for your sins and my sins. You pay not one cent for your, like, to get free from sin. It's through Jesus Christ on the cross and his shed blood that you've been set free. Christ has set you free. That's grace. That's what John says. Grace, mercy, and peace. The cross is about love. It's an instrument of death, but it's the death of Jesus on that cross that has saved you and me from our sins 100%, and you are free. Isn't that wonderful? That's exciting. That should be great joy in our hearts. As John says, it brings me great joy when I see things like this happening. It's love. God's tremendous love for you and me. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you on the cross. That's the truth. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that beautiful? Now, that goes back to the cover on the bulletin. Our mission statement is Jesus is Lord. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. So confess with it right now. Say it with me. Jesus is Lord. Say it again. Jesus is Lord. You confess it with your mouth. Now the question is, do you believe it in your heart? That's what it says in Romans 10, 9. If you believe it, if you have faith, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now the word saved is more than just going to heaven. That's included salvation beyond your deathbed, but it's also God saving you now in all your walk of life. He's saving you from all the things that are out there in the world that are coming after you, the deceivers. He's saving you from sickness and all these evil things that you can turn to God for and be saved. The word saved means saved from all kinds of evil and different things, not just for eternal life, but the whole thing. It's a wonderful word. You are saved if you confess that Jesus is Lord and you believe it in your heart, that's what Paul says in Romans. In Romans 10, 13, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That's the truth. That's truth in love that John is talking about in this letter that he writes to this, to this lady and her children. Wow. You see, the good news is God does not lie. The news may lie, the politicians may lie. 
We may hear lies from all over the place, but God does not lie. He's got the fact. And it's all there in the meaning of truth. Fact and reality. The fact and the reality is from God himself in Jesus Christ. And John makes that emphatic in this letter. Because he saw in the church that he's writing to that there's deceivers out there. The people are being deceived. We've got to remind ourselves too, deceivers are out there every day in our life and they're in our home and they're all over the place. We have to protect ourselves from them. And that means to be in the truth. The truth in love. 2 Corinthians 5 through 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Ah, beautiful verse. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation. The old, the old sinful nature is gone and the new person in you has come. What a blessing. And today, it's not just hearing the word of God, but you inwardly digest the blessing in the sacrament of Holy Communion. You can come and take his body and take his blood shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins to set you free. And you're free from sin, death, and the devil. You celebrate it in the sacrament of Holy Communion. It strengthens your faith and reassures you that you can go back out of those doors, go out into the world, and overcome the deception that's out there. And take seriously the Word of God. Take seriously spending time with the Lord, renewing yourself in Jesus Christ every day. Because it's in Christ that you have truth and love. Oh Lord, thank you for the letter that John wrote to the lady, to the church. Thank you for the words to remind us not to be deceived. Keep us, O oh Lord, from welcoming deceivers into our lives. And may we turn to you the truth. And in truth, truly find love. Your love revealed to us in Jesus. So open our hearts and minds to you, O oh Lord. And may we truly celebrate and believe and have in us inside grace, mercy, and peace. Hear us, Lord, for Jesus' sake. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus.